This is Hammett. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Five bucks a month. You get bonus episodes. You get ad-free episodes. And you support Dottie, I think. (laughs) Um, And apparently you're like broken legs based on Twitter feeds and stuff. Are you alive? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm fine. Um, I, on Saturday, I... Fully fell down the stairs in my, I live in a townhouse, so I was going to bring my dog out, and I just missed the last stair and just beefed it, y'all. Like, I hit the ground hard, um, and I was just, like, in shock phase of, like, lying on the ground, like, I don't know if I'm hurt. My body hasn't told me yet. I know you you never fall over, right? Because you don't do anything active. That's right. I'm a world-class faller. <laughs> I'm a dancer. I'm a horseback rider. I fall all the fucking time, so I'm very good at it. Anyway, <laughs> um, the next day I went into the urgent care near us, and I have a sprained uh, right half of my foot, um, of my right foot, like the outside, and then a spray. Another a podcasting injury. <laughs> he has sprained big toe on my left foot. I have more stories about that that I am going to tell <laughs> you on. Th- no, and there's a very f- charming anecdote okay. that will make me come off as winning and not obnoxious um, <laughs> for the uh, when we talk in the bonus episode. Okay. Um, I was debating where to begin, and I think this is the story that kind of made me the most happy, so we're going to start there. Oh, not used to this. I know. Uh, There was a Republican, Texas had its primary elections this week, and there was a woman running, she's a Republican running in the Republican primary for a Mm -hmm. state Senate seat, and her name is Bianca Gracia. Um, I think I'm saying it correctly. Not Garcia, Gracia. Gracia, okay. She said on her uh, campaign website, you know, she's trying to beef up her conservative bona fides, right? Sure. Uh, She's a homeschooling mother of of a couple kids. She said she's not a politician, not not in all caps. And don't let her running for office (laughs) steer you wrong. She's not a politician. Not a politician. She says she is a constitutional Christian conservative, <laughs> though actually the whole not, Wait, yeah, a constitutional Christian conservative, yeah. All is she, three. Const- is she implying she's like a constitutional <laughs> scholar, or just she is an originalist? I'm pretty sure that means she's read to the Second Amendment and skipped the first one, mm-hmm. and she's good now. Yeah, and actually, the funny thing is, like, she said, "I'm not a politician," no. and like the weird way she emphasized, "I'm totally not." Here's what she is. Uh, She was the statewide Hispanic engagement director for the Republican Party of Texas. Okay. She was state director for the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Mm -hmm. She was president of a group called Latinos for Trump. Precinct chair in Harris County. Like, you're not a politician because you weren't elected to office, but pretty much she's done everything else that a politician. Okay. Oh, boy. Yeah, whatever. What did you say? Latinas for Trump? uh, Latinos for Trump. Oh, Latinos. They don't do the endings. (laughs) No, they couldn't. Don't you dare. They couldn't depend on having enough Latina women. <laughs> so they're like, Latina, let's just cover them all. Cover them all. But here's why she's on the radar. Okay. Because ever since she first announced her candidacy for the state Senate in December, mm-hmm. like one of the first interviews she did with a right-wing media outlet, she said, and I'm quoting here, I've conquered it already. It is mine. I am claiming the victory. Oh. <laughs> like, there's oh, confidence. Like a- and then there's, no, don't worry. I've already won this race. Yeah, I feel like there's a Shakespearean speech about God (laughs) told me I won, so I won. I could be making that up, though. Then later on, like now we're in January, Mm -hmm. and she goes on another right-wing Did she stop then? I'm sorry. Did she quickly stop 
having to like do any of the no campaigning, campaigning stuff because uh, she's already won? I, you would think, and yet she kept going. I bet it's God said she's <laughs> on the right track to win. Mm, it's not what Stay she the said. Course. Not what she said. She said, "I'm literally am running against the establishment." Says this president of the like leader of the Republican Party of Texas. Yeah, but she says. But the Lord told me you're going to the Capitol and you're going to make these walls shake and you're going to make the devil run. I'm going to keep quoting her here because okay. it gets more interesting. Okay. You ain't taking my guns. Oh. You ain't going after our faith. You ain't going after our family. And let me tell you something. What? I will fight to the death because if that's what my ancestors did, I will do it. Nancy Pelosi, you can come and take it. She's running for state Senate. Nancy Pelosi has nothing to do with that. Sorry, I'm still quoting. I would like to see her call me down to that capital. I've got a few words for her and all her little cronies. And believe me, I'm taking a whole bunch of pastors with me because I got a whole bunch of pastors now. I said, we're going to go perform an exorcism in there. What is the context of this? I have no idea anymore, but she's picking a fight with Pelosi. Sure, as one does. Who has nothing to do with the Texas State no, Senate. No, and really isn't in like the firing line right now of the Republican Party, I don't think as much. <laughs> like Joe Biden is kind of, like, I feel like because there's a Republican in yeah, office, it would be AOC Pelosi at this was point. our, yeah. Pelosi's not their boogeyman as yeah, much Yeah, exactly. But that's not as much. Like, you would still she think. Has a, wait, so she's threatening to bring a bunch of pastors to Washington, D.C.? I don't because know. Because she, if she's a state senator, she'll be going to Austin. Yeah. I don't know where this exorcism is going to take place. Okay. But whatever, she's going to win, so yeah. something's going to happen. Sure. Then, so she won her primary? Well, oh. now, we get to, now we get to closer oh, to the election. God told her, sorry. I mean, I know God's going to win, but yeah, yeah. she went on another right-wing show <laughs> and said... I finished an interview with some pastors and mm -hmm. I told them, I said straight up, I'm only going to win if the church shows up. That's it. If you do not show up, then you will be held accountable because I have been appointed and assigned for this position and God is testing you all. I don't have anything else to say to you other than that. So you're going to either have to show up and show out or you're going to have to deal with it with the Lord. Oh my goodness. So now, not only even though she already won the race, according to her, yeah. she needs Christians to show up to the polls, but also if they don't, mm -hmm. God's coming after them. So she needs to threaten well, the it voters. It's like a pretty like black and white situation. So either so we can prove God exists in her in her <laughs> mind. It's a twofer. If everybody <laughs> goes to vote for her, God's real, and if a single person doesn't vote for them, God will come after them. Yes. And it's, so we'll know God's real then God's too. God's not so, dead seven plot right there. Yeah. Well, I guess um, really the only thing is everybody could vote for her in their way. Thereby we have no way of knowing how mm, God would smote a person who, who voted green party or whatever. She wins Smite. either way. Smitten. Um, but I, uh, the bottom line here is she went from saying I'm, I've already won the race yeah. to I need Christians to show up so I can win the race to, Oh no, some Christians may not vote for me. You're all going to burn in hell if you don't. They really love to bring out that Trump card. Forget the, the term. The God of the, the just like, oh, you're not going to vote for me? That's fine. See ya. And hell, motherfuckers. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. I do love that which like final thing. Which always amuses me because when they say, like, I'll see you in hell, where are you going, You're buddy? going? You're no. going to see me there? Um. So how did she do in Tuesday's primary? Um, Republican primary, mind you. There's no Democrats here to complain about. God, I hope she didn't win. She did not win. Yay. She lost by, let me count this, 40%. 
to another Republican. 40%. I feel like in a primary, that's the, a pretty... Yeah, in a, do you know in how a many... crowded primary. Uh, that's a, my next question. <laughs> in a crowded primary? In a crowded primary, the winner, whose name is uh, Mays Middleton, who is actually a Texas House, Republic, uh, Texas House uh-huh. uh, representative, he decided to run for the state Senate. Mays? Mays, M-A-Y-E-S. But basically, he's like, oh. I'm already a House... Uh, elected official. Sure. I'm going to run for the state Senate in this district. Uh-huh. He won the primary with 56% of the vote. Ew, um, so she, did she even break double digits? She got 16.7% okay. of the vote, but also she did not, not get a hundred percent of the vote. <laughs> While that is, you know, it's a strong showing in your first primary. For someone that, who's not a politician, but happens to hold kind of, every political office. Enough. She's ever. not a fucking politician. If you, <laughs> and if you say she is again, God will smite you. I swear to God. Um, yeah, what a mess. Man. Um, so I have questions now. Was yeah. God lying to her? Did she lie to everyone? Yes. Did she misinterpret what she thinks God told her? I would no. love to hear her answer, even though I can't imagine a single uh, reporter will right. ever ask her about any of that. Have we talked about the term eyes open and eyes closed fraudsters? No. Okay, I, I, th- I think I just heard about this on Ona Ross and Carrie, and it's really helped me verbalize something I've thought about a long, um, a long time, and this is a very good example of that, of an eyes open fraudster versus an eye, eyes closed is it what's this this person's name uh gracia gracia if gracia genuinely believed god spoke to her and she was relaying that message like even though she's still wrong it's eyes closed she genuinely believes that but eyes open implies like she knows this is all bullshit she knows nothing is real but she's just gonna tell everybody so like your peter popoffs are eyes open yes but like Maybe you're, you know, strip maybe all she's psychic just is eyes closed and maybe just genuinely just, believes it. And I think it's an interesting and I would like way to, to know. view the world. That's a fair point. I would love to know which one it is. I, I don't know the answer. I think people tend to be, like, I genuinely think people like this who are listening for messages from God are going to hear them. Like, I have all sorts of bonkers dreams. And if I, if I woke up and was like, oh, weird, like... Hammett and Dottie switch heads. That mm-hmm. means that Dottie should be the new co-host of Friendly or whatever. <laughs> like, uh, you can interpret anything out of anything. Right. That's why, like, we study literature and art because everything's up for interpretation. But if you're like, well, I woke up and in my dream, God is like, hey, you should run for Senate and you'll win. And she wakes up like, well, I had this dream. So, yeah. of course, it's true because that's what she's been told to believe. If she dreams something clear enough, it's a message from God and don't doubt it. I sometimes post videos of so-called Christian prophets saying crazy things. And people sometimes get mad uh, in response. And they're like, here, there's an example. There's one woman, uh, Kat Kerr, who keeps saying like, oh, I've been to heaven. Let me tell you what heaven is like. And and you're rolling your eyes and that's the right response. But she knows everything about heaven. And there's the guy asking her questions and he just goes along with everything. Of course. But people are like, stop posting clips of that woman in particular and they're like clearly she has a mental illness or something and you're mocking her and my response is like no she doesn't i've never heard i've never seen anything that suggests that i think she's genuinely deluded in my opinion yeah but also i i don't think she's i don't necessarily know if she's making it up and know she's making it up like you said the eyes uh open version of Mm -hmm. that or if she genuinely thinks her dreams are real yeah. or whatever it is, either way, it's insane right, to it's... me. 
But um, yeah, in the case of this woman, Gracia, I have no idea which one it is, uh-huh. but I was looking to see what she wrote on social media. Like, did she talk about, like, maybe God had different plans for me or yeah. something? No. She, you just don't acknowledge no. it. I, I assume she would just ignore it altogether sure. and hope everyone forgot all the stuff she said. And? Um, no, she's uh, blaming voter fraud, of course, because oh. she is Republican. Um, and the best part oh, is you can't blame Demo- fraud. You can't blame Democrats for taking this from you because it was a GOP primary. Who, whom is she accusing of voter fraud? The Republican elite did it! Exclamation point. And she, I'm sorry, she's running for state senate in yeah, Texas. Yeah. And what is this like? Even a major district? Uh, it's a district. It's in <laughs> Harris County, which is a Democratic stronghold. Okay. But it doesn't matter sure. when you're the Republican on the ticket. Of course. Like of course, I, I was just curious, thing. like, is this, like, in Austin or is this, like, in the middle of the plains? And, like, it's not in the middle of nowhere. Okay. It's a, it's a busy area. But, okay. yeah, blaming Republicans, of which classic, classic. she was the precinct chair for Harris County, a precinct leader. Oh, my God. Like, I didn't... <laughs> she knows how elections work in the area. Do you think this is going to go away? No. No, No, it's so easy to say, no, Republicans can't possibly lose unless someone cheated. I have to think that, I mean, I don't know. Okay, I'm just going to think out loud. My, My initial thought was that it's impossible for somebody to be like, oh, these people, like Republicans, the people I want to win are losing time and time and time Mm -hmm. again. Um, what does that mean? Or what is that? Like, they, there's no way they can think they're all rigged. Like, how can you look at a Republican primary and say think it's Think about who their rigged? voters are. Who of are course th- you can always say it's rigged. Oh, you're just saying they're not bright enough or incredulous enough to not believe everything. But like, but it's truly like 10 years from now, every local election yes. somebody loses, they're yes. going to call it voter fraud. Every yeah. f- school board thing mm-hmm. in Kansas, every, everything. Mm-hmm. To what end? Like, isn't there going to be, uh, to me, that is, it's going to be January 6th again. Well, the amusing thing to me about this is you can't blame it on Democrats taking it from you, which makes this really intriguing. That's what I'm concerned about. Yeah, it's, what who stole it from you? The other conservative Republicans who also believe the voter fraud lies? Like, who are you attacking here? Or, like, the the powers that be who are really rigging state senator elections for Texas? Like, as if that is what people have in mind? Like, it's... It's stupid. And also, the, apparently, if you know her voters couldn't make their votes count, somehow it didn't hurt the conservative who beat you, yeah. like you would think. But, I mean, but that's this is the thing that's making me like cuckoo bananas crazy because this... Okay, imagine you're in this town where they're voting for, for Gracia versus what, Henry yeah. is the white guy's name? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to call him Henry. Sure. Gracia and Henry. And they're both... What conservative Christian Republicans? So if somebody who voted for Gracia and she didn't win goes into you know down to the corner store or the bar or whatever and says, "Oh, fucking Gracia didn't win because these motherfuckers are rigging the system," Mm -hmm. and the guy next to him who they agree on eighty five percent of shit is like, "No, my guy won. It wasn't rigged." Like to me, like if you start infighting, glorious, glorious infighting. Because, yeah, you don't have an argument and the whole it's they stole it from me falls apart. Who can you blame? Apart. Who can you blame if they all essentially agree? Yeah, I know. Because this isn't like AOC versus a really moderate Democrat that we're trying to get. At. Like, these are all equally terrible people who are going to make equally yes. terrible decisions. Yes. You're looking forward to it. 
I mean, I don't know what else to tell you other yeah. than, yeah, you're right. The whole argument breaks down. It doesn't make any sense. It didn't in the past also. Do you think it's just they've talked themselves into, I'm being cheated, I'm being cheated, I'm being cheated. So every time they don't get something they want, I'm being cheated? It's their whole mentality. They yeah. think they're owed everything. And the second it doesn't work, right. it's like, I got to blame someone else. It's the Republican way. Mm. Yeah, because they ran out of black people. They ran out of immigrants. Like when you run out, when you run out, women, black people, immigrants, queer people out of your party, you really like lose people to blame things on. So like, <laughs> what are you gonna say now? It's the I know, poor it's, Republicans it's or my, the rich Republicans. It's my favorite part about this. This woman who ran pretty much every aspect of the Republican Party sure. in Texas is blaming the Republican elite. For keeping her down in a race she lost by forty points, forty points to is another conservative so Republican. Much, yeah, it was so close. much, right, especially talk. in a crowded field. <laughs> let's talk oh, about yeah, uh, yeah. Pat Robertson, who stopped by for Did he two minutes. Die? Nope, oh. still alive, just he? dead on the inside. Ah, ninety something, ninety something. But yes, yeah, so ninety one. Um, oh. He retired, remember, from the 700 Club like a few months ago, sure, saying I'm stepping this. back. Yep. He's not entirely gone. He still shows up on the now show. Now he's windboarding with a backwards hat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so he showed up on the 700 Club this week to uh-huh. do like a little quick commentary sure. on uh, Ukraine and Russia. And you know what? I was really hoping I would hear Pat Robertson's take on Ukraine I know. and Russia's situation. Everyone was waiting. Finally. Everyone was waiting for him to resolve everything. And here's what he said. Uh, this is posted by Right Wing Watch. And I think this clip has like over 2 million views already, which is bonkers. Because that's how much this resonated. Because it's Pat Robertson chiming in on the biggest global conflict of the day. I'm so nervous. And saying something batshit crazy. Oh, God. I think you can say, well, oh, Putin's no. out of his mind. Yes. Yes, maybe so, said Robertson. But at the same time, but... <laughs> he's being compelled by God. He went into the Ukraine, but that wasn't his goal. His goal was to move against Israel, ultimately. What? Wait, is that true? I. That's what he said. I don't know a lot about international politics. It's admittedly a weak spot. Is there any part of that that's true? No. Great. Um, basically, Robertson is saying the end goal is to go after Israel uh-huh. and launch this like end of the world Armageddon fight, sure. which will hasten the return of Christ because uh-huh. that's how the end times work when you're crazy. So he thinks that Putin is acting as an active agent of Satan to bring on nuclear war so Jesus could come back. Something like that. Okay. I think. Yeah, I have no notes on that. Yep. Yep. And he stopped by. (laughs) He stepped out of retirement just to make that very clear to everybody. Good Sir Robinson. (laughs) Oh, boy. By the way, the Washington Post made very clear this idea that, you know, we're about to enter a big global conflict. Yeah. And the end of the world is getting near Uh and we can embrace it because Jesus is coming back in a way. He has been saying this since, uh, at least at first, 1980, mm. when he said at Before the time... Before both of us were born. Uh-huh. I guarantee you, by the end of 1982, there is going to be a judgment on the world. <laughs> and then Hemant was born. Uh-huh. And judgment was placed. And he wrote in a 1990 book that oh. the end of the world would come on April 29th, 2007, it did not. In 2007, I was in college, <laughs> probably drinking. And he also said in October 2020, and this is one of the ones where it's like, uh, you got it right, but I think you got lucky on this one, where he said, I, God told me Donald Trump would win the election and that an asteroid would destroy Earth afterward. 
Could you imagine how nice that would have been? I know. Oh, the dream. I'm still dreaming for it. Back to star stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you soon, Carl Sagan. (laughs) So, uh, Robertson added, watch what's going to happen next. You read your Bible. This is 1990? Nope, this is today. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Watch what's going to happen next. You read your Bible because it's coming to pass. Can't wait. Thanks, Pat. Just looking out for that (laughs) asteroid, boy. If that is coming, you let me know. We'll have a parade for it. Uh, yeah, don't look up scenario happening right I still watched away. Ju- don't look up. Should I watch it at this point? No. It was fine. <sighs> I watched it because I felt obligated well, to. Well, it was really it zeitgeisty, was and then I missed it being zeitgeisty, but now I feel like it's just sort of like a hole in my... my but I shouldn't ask you about this. You're Swiss cheese when it comes to pop I, culture. Yeah, I saw it and already I've forgotten most well, of it. Well, yeah. It was me. Um, let, we didn't talk about this last week. We mentioned last week Katanji Brown-Jackson got nominated for the Supreme Court, and that was kind of the end of the conversation because it happened like earlier that day when we Wait, recorded. did we even talk about it? I, I don't think we did. I think it was this week that... Whatever. Okay, it doesn't matter. In any case, after she got nominated by Joe Biden... Um, this is the thing I uh, saw her say during her formal nomination when I think Joe Biden said he's going to select her. And then the date and we talked about that briefly. Oh. But then the next day he formally oh, had that, the press okay. conference, announced her nomination. She made a quick speech. And again, I, I just want to point this out. Everything about her resume seems solid. Uh, she has not weighed in on church date separation cases um, in the line of work she's done. Okay. She was a public defender. She's been on the Washington, D.C. circuit, okay. which does not really do culture war type of issues. Oh. Um, it's the second highest court, everyone says, in the land, but um, really it doesn't do that type of uh, um, case. Someday could you do like a 20-minute explainer of how courts do and talk to me like I'm a really dumb child? The way it works is you just keep fighting until the conservatives on the Supreme Court get your case and give you whatever result you want. That's how the legal system works. I understand how you think that was helpful, but I cannot explain (laughs) how how very little help you are to me. Sure. I mean, the the thing relevant here... Like, how do these circuit courts rank? um, Is it just by geography? Yes. Okay. There are... So, like, Southern District of New York is a big... No, that's a different thing altogether. Fuck me. I don't know. Um, What am I doing on this show? In terms of the appellate courts, which is usually where the Supreme Court nominees tend to come from... Because... uh, Because it's the step right below the Supreme Court. Okay. Like, a lot of the cases, theoretically, that get to the Supreme Court is because one of the appellate courts said one thing, Uh and another one said something totally different, Uh and now you have two courts... Of the same technical stature, okay. saying different things, you need the Supreme Court to wade in and sort it out. Okay. But the problem more recently is that a lot of conservative lawyers are like, eh, we don't need an appellate court to look at this. Hey, Supreme Court, just check out my case right now. And they've basically said yes to several of them. Oh, that's so um, weird that there are people some, get their way. There are some appellate courts, like the Fifth Circuit, which covers Texas, which are notoriously conservative mm-hmm. and have so many conservative justices that even when like a handful of them get randomly picked to see your case, uh-huh. it's probably two or three conservatives out of three. So, okay. so if you're a conservative lawyer, go through Texas to file your case, get it because if you if, they, if you don't like the ruling, okay. you get to appeal to your buddies on the Fifth Circuit. So is it mostly geographical? So yes. if we were to sue each other today, yeah, and, and it, it was a federal I won, lawsuit, yeah. and it got uh, and, through the district court, and so court say level. I won and you appeal because you're a bad loser. By the way, I hope everyone knows neither of us are lawyers, so you should totally ignore everything we're saying. Well, Continue. listen, I, yes. okay, so uh, so I sue you, I win. Yes, in district you court. 
opposite. I, appeal, I don't think you could. You, and it goes yeah. to the appellate court that covers Illinois and a couple other states, I think, in the Midwest. So, so our county court would go straight up to a district court. There's no like. Sorry, no, we're starting over. Okay, these are federal lawsuits that can serve federal crimes. There is oh. a district court at the lower level. Um, as opposed to state courts, as opposed to county courts, those are different issues. Oh, so it doesn't matter for the I purpose feel like of this I've conversation. Really, here's my what you need to know: I'm not as smart as people it's might all think good. I am. The appellate court that covers Texas is very conservative. Okay, historically, the appellate court that covers like California and the West Coast is relatively liberal. Okay, though because of Trump, because of sure. the way Republicans have handled nominations for those seats, uh-huh. uh, some of that stuff tends to change. If and can that's send me scary. like a flow chart, it would be really yeah. helpful. But like, remember when Under God and the Pledge yes. was a big controversy and it got to the Supreme Court back in the day, like 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. That went through the Ninth Circuit because two out of three judges said, yeah, this should not be happening. And the Ninth Circuit is, is the notoriously liberal y- California, California one. one. Whereas if you're trying to do like Christian nationalism type of culture war issues, you want to go through Texas because your buddies are right there. I've never regretted asking a clarifying question more in my entire <laughs> life. So anyway, the thing is, if you were trying to nominate a Supreme Court uh, justice, uh-huh. you want someone who's sitting on those high up appellate courts right. that handles a lot of these significant issues. Okay. And what did uh, Biden do with Katanji Brown Jackson? Like Obama's the one who nominated her to a district court Back in the day, that's oh. like the first tier of federal uh-huh. courts. So what did Biden do as soon as he got into office and finally had the ability to do stuff? Sure. They're like, get this woman on an appellate court right yeah. now. And they moved her as soon as possible. She was one of the early nominees to the Washington, D.C. circuit, which <laughs> covers that area. But the thing is, they don't really handle culture war issues because you're going through the liberal courts or the conservative courts. So she does a lot of like white collar crime type of business type of lawsuits. And the one that's gotten attention is one that involved like, can I forgot the specifics, but it was a Trump criminal investigation type of thing. And she said, you can't hide your shit. Like, no, you've got to keep going. Okay, that's kind of the only controversial decision. Wait, that was controversial. Because all the other ones have been pretty mundane. No one cares. No one's writing blog posts about the rest of the decisions. Do you know why? Beyond the fact that, you know, she's a black woman, which Mm -hmm. which Biden... Said he, um, said he would do it. Do you know why this particular judge they're so, like, fucking stoked about? Because I know there's a short list of... Her history involves... She's a public defender. In terms of resume boosting, Mm. like, Harvard pedigree, law review pedigree, like... Man, the checklist of the resume is awesome. It's like she's been becoming a Supreme Court justice for her whole career. Yes, (laughs) and she clerked, uh, she was the clerk for Stephen Breyer on the Supreme Court, too. Like, again, she checks every box on the list. Passing in the baton. And she's a public defender at one point in her career. And she gave up, like, a money-making corporate law gig to become the public defender and do stuff. Okay. So, I say all that to say... Great pick. We don't know how she is technically on church state separation because mm-hmm. I cannot point you mm-hmm. to any decisions she's written that dealt with the sort of things we talk about. Um, but she seems like a solid nominee. And you would think, given her, like the fact that she was a public defender, the mm-hmm. fact that she graduated from these schools and everyone who knows her speaks well of her. Yeah. Okay, cool. She seems like a good choice. The what reason- do you think the, tr- the Republicans are going to lean on against her? I feel like they yeah. always have an inroad I mean, somewhere. Tucker Carlson this week on Fox News Jesus. was like, well, yeah, sure, you have this resume, but what's your LSAT score? How come Joe Biden... You're Bi- fucking no. lying to me. Uh, Joe Biden never your said... Your LSAT score? Yeah. 
Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Harvard Law School graduate. But, you know, let's see what you got on your qualifying test. What's your ACT score? Yeah. Otherwise, you can't have a fucking podcast. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Tucker Carl. Mm-hmm. I have, I have mm-hmm. a story for the bonus episode about Tucker Carlson uh, in favorite. a personal way. <laughs> there was a, someone made a tweet like, okay, you want her LSAT score? Fine, but let's get all the other yeah, Supreme I, Court justices LSAT. Like, let's see Amy Coney Barrett's LSAT score. Because white supremacists, yeah. this is not going to end well for you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the whole thing of like, oh, you're only picking somebody based on their skin color really falls apart when you look at the history of people who have gotten on the Supreme Court based on their skin color. Really quickly, she graduated magna cum laude from Harvard University, graduated from Harvard's law school, clerked Mm. for a district judge, Mm. appellate judge, and Stephen Breyer, whom she would be replacing, worked at a high-paying corporate law firm, also served as a low-paid public defender, Um, that's a resume. And how old is she? Tell me she's like 37. Uh, no, I mean, I wish she was like 12. Yeah. She's well, like 50-ish. Okay, I'll take 50. Take. Uh, it, yeah, it's fine. Uh, here's the only reason I bring it's her up. It's Amy because, Cohen Barrett, Miss Junior USA 2008. Yeah. Like, um, here's the thing she said that, okay, after reading all of that and yeah. telling you all of that, yeah. here's the thing that stood out in her acceptance speech, and it's not a disqualifying statement. It's just like one of those things like, come on, you don't have to do this. Uh-huh. She said, I must begin these very brief remarks by thanking God for delivering me to this point in my professional journey. Okay. My life has been blessed beyond measure, and I do know that one can only come this far by faith. And that part just... Whatever. I know Hemant. it's... I know your... I, I already knew your reaction to that. Here's why I didn't like it. She worked so freaking hard to get to this point. I want her to take the damn credit for it. I think, whoa, I I almost slammed my face into this microphone. I think that to give her like the most credit I know how to is maybe for her faith is a like bigger thing. No, who cares? I'm not going to do whatever. I, she I said what she care. said. She means she, what she means. Yes. I don't give a shit. Had she just said, I want to thank God for bringing me here, which she did in the first sentence, I don't think I would have cared. It if was she the, said, you can, thank Zinu for bringing me oh. here, I'd be like, thank God there's a liberal <laughs> woman on the Supreme Court. <laughs> thank, again, I do know that one can only come this far with faith. No, you came this far because you worked your ass who off. Cares, Take credit for it. Who so basically, gives a shit? because do you think she's going to get in the Supreme Court yes. and be like, oh, I think maybe gay people shouldn't get married because they're not praying hard enough? Like, no, this, is, no, this no, no. is the shit that people hate about us. No, screw that. No, this is okay, a fair I know you're nitpick. very comfortable having people hate you, but I have a lot of <laughs> depression and anxiety around people hating me. So I just need you to go with me on this one. Fine. It's fucking fine, dude. <laughs> it is f- because unless she said my Lord Jesus Christ is the only way I'm going to answer anything. I'm going to flip open the New Testament and just point at something and be like, I don't know, I guess we have to stone this person to death for their white-collar crimes. That is how the Supreme Court works. That would be problematic. But saying, I don't believe people can get here through faith, I... She didn't say, I got here. She said, you can't either. That is the interpretation I took. Okay, I think that I would not be able to stand on my own two feet without a lot of friends around me, but you are proving me yes. wrong time and no, time again. You just proved you me have right. No friends and <laughs> show up my house every week. I don't know what you're doing for the other six and a half days a no week. One does. But let's talk about Ben we Carson. We can say things that are not literal, Hemant. Anyway. Stupid. <laughs> I don't want to I hate Ben Carson. I too bad. Okay, so this guy, Ben Carson. He's so mad that he's a black neurosurgeon and just 
fucked everything up. Yep, and Trump nominated him for Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Which is so funny and so <laughs> racist. Also, Jay Farrow's imitation of him was top drawer. I think it was Jay Farrow. I hope I I'm not getting right. that wrong. Yeah. Um, so he was invited to deliver the keynote address at the Air Force Academy's National Character and Leadership Symposium. Quick, we can't have another white guy. What are we going to (laughs) do? And, like, first of all, why is the Air Force Academy doing this? Why are they inviting this guy to talk about all your leaders? Okay, it's an academy. Well, okay. They're allowed to have fucking speakers, Hammond. The Air Force Academy is notorious for being, like, an evangelical Christian hotbed in Colorado Springs. Okay, well, here's the thing. You need to tell me those things before I run off my fucking mouth. You interrupted along the way. You talk. Anyway. So, slow. (laughs) (laughs) So... Ben Carson is speaking at this gig. And alone, all right, whatever, they can invite their Republican friends, whatever. Uh. But here's one of the things. Like, his speech was whatever stump speech he always gives. Uh At the very end, there was a short Q&A after this hour-long speech. And someone asked him a question about, like, how did... Uh, how did God speak to you in your darkest times? Mm. Okay, whatever. I don't care if a kid asked that question or someone in the Air Force Academy asked that question. And I should tell you, the response Ben Carson gave is one he has given many times because he's told the same stories over the years. Sure. Part of his stump speech. Yeah. But I do want to point out what he said in response to, uh, after talking about how his faith got him through a lot of tough times, which is fine and I don't care. Okay. Here's what he said. And those people who like to criticize America and criticize people in America and are always talking about separation of church and state, which is not in the Constitution, by the way, do they realize that our founding document, the Declaration of Independence, talks about certain unalienable rights given to us by our creator, a.k.a. God? Do they realize that the Pledge of Allegiance to our flag says we are one nation under God? That many courtrooms on the wall, it says in God we trust. Every coin in our pocket, every bill in our wallet says in God we trust. So if it's in our founding documents, it's in our pledge, it's on our courts, it's on our money, but we're not supposed to talk about it. What in the world is that? In medicine, we call it schizophrenia. Oh, no! (laughs) Oh, my God. That... Took a weird turn at the end, right? Could you... Okay, I honest, I'm, I, I just want to be honest with everybody. I was thinking about my clever quip reply, and then I heard schizophrenia. I heard we call it schizophrenia. Can you tell me that... Yeah, basically he's saying that. church-state separation is bullshit. Uh-huh. It doesn't exist. Right. Um, and we know that because God appears in the pledge and on our money and on the walls of courtrooms. Which you put there. God didn't put it there. And the founding fathers did. Thomas Jefferson did not right. nail in God we trust into your fucking courthouse. Yeah. The, Claret, in, no, what's under, his name? Under God in the Pledge of Allegiance and in God we trust yeah. on our money and dollar bills. That was all part of the 1950s gotta distinguish ourselves from the Soviet Union Cold War stuff. They need to make a movie about that. And it needs to be a superhero movie because otherwise nobody will see it. And it's really important to me that people learn what happened in the 50s. So the idea that he's using that as justification that we're a Christian nation and that separation of church and state doesn't exist. And then to top it off, to have a doctor (laughs) say like, I have a diagnosis for you. Which is not just a doctor. It wouldn't even... A neurosurgeon. A neurosurgeon, which... They don't die. They don't work in schizophrenia. Yeah, they he's work not in like that type of doctor. 
And it's not even the right diagnosis. I used to work for a neurosurgery nonprofit. Like, that's not how they do. They're not like, oh, this person's depressed. So we're going to, like, drill into their brain. It's yeah. not like 1918 and anymore. And I want to repeat, this is not him giving a random talk somewhere. This is the Air Force Academy that invited this guy to deliver this speech about how we're a Christian nation. Here's the thing that's really upsetting to, the to me Air about Force. this. And there's a lot that's genuinely quite upsetting. And like the fact that he is no longer a, right? He's no longer, Ben Carson's no longer like anything. Right. Official. Um, Just in terms of like, I'm going to put in my mental health advocacy hat for Mm -hmm. a second. Schizophrenia is one of the least understood, not least understood, but popularly least understood, um, uh, mental illnesses there are like people <laughs> think schizophrenia still think schizophrenia and multiple personality disorder which is probably not a real thing PS schizophrenia and that are the same thing and they're not schizophrenia is just often people have trouble associating what's real and what isn't real and it's really 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 difficult for them and the people around them and it requires a lot of diligent i i I just have a person in my life who's schizophrenic and this sort of bandying about of like oh you're a kooky person because you're schizophrenic Mm -hmm. like schizophrenic people need our help and support and love and not our fear there's like not getting it from ben carson and if you are a medical profession professional known for neurological health which is not the same as like Mm -hmm. therapy we know but like if you're bandying about like brain surgeon is the one saying this yeah like you can't like that's it's i'm sorry it's just so it's so not okay it is so immoral And, and and to say like oh those people are schizophrenic as if people with schizophrenia are like not worthy of our attention and affection or what it's just it's you literally pulled out mail because you yeah, thought I was going to rant for going. so long. I just, it's just this thing that we have of like anybody who is X deserves our scorn. Oh, you're schizophrenic. Fuck you. Oh, you're depressed. Buck up. Like this is, that is terrible. And it's not the first, it wasn't an ad lib because he said the same thing verbatim almost the whole speech. I just told you he said it all before many times and literally no one in his life circle has ever said to him, like, man, maybe change your language on yeah, that. Yeah, maybe nope. stigmatizing people with mental illness is not the thing you should be doing, doctor. <laughs> By the way, I told you that was like a hotbed of evangelical Christianity. The previous keynote speakers for this sort of, uh, for this particular event have included like a vice president of Chick-fil-A, <laughs> the head of the right-wing legal group Liberty Institute, and uh, I should say the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, which is not an atheist group, but they cover a lot of church separation cases, uh, said very clearly his inviting uh, him to deliver this like Christian nationalist promotional uh, Christianity promotion speech. That actually violates the Air Force's own policies. I just don't think anything's going to happen because of it, but anyway. Um, wow. All right, here's the Jesus here's the story for you. This is why I was breaking out the mail. Oh. Um, here's the question to ask: What percentage of federal prisoners in the United States are atheists? Oh, um, okay. Well, um, what we know: what ten percent of the population of the general population is atheists? So no, four oh. percent of the general population are atheists who use that term. Oh, it's probably closer to thirty percent who have no organized no religion. Organized. Okay, but four percent in the population would call themselves atheists. 
that's a Pew survey from last year. Okay. Um, so my guess would is that prison generally underrepresents atheists for many reasons, not the least of which includes the fact that a lot of people quote unquote find Jesus in prison. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say only 2% of people consider okay. themselves atheists in so prison. I was wondering the answer. Uh-huh. Um, I, cause I've thought about this for a while and uh, several years ago, I tried to get real answers to this, but uh-huh. it had been a really long time. Okay. So I was kind of wondering, I wonder what the number is these days. Uh-huh. So last summer I filed the freedom in- information act you request. You FOIA'd it? I FOIA'd it. And basically, I said, I want to know the That's religious... That's real journalism. I know. Uh, big quotation marks. <laughs> um, basically, I said, give me the religious breakdown uh-huh. of all federal prisoners, because you have that information, but it is not public anywhere. Huh. Um, and I finally got a response, like, weeks ago. It took, like, seven, eight months to wow. get it. Wow, okay. So, I'll, here, I want you to... I'll, <gasps> oh, my I'll show God. You a couple uh, the first page is just a letter saying, we got your FOIA request. This uh-huh. is our response to you. It doesn't you to say, you don't, your, you don't have to read anything there. You don't mean read your address? Yeah, don't do that. Okay. Um, but that first page is just a cover letter saying we got something. Second page oh, okay. is a breakdown by every federal prison, which no one can read. They sent me one page of like a 30-page spreadsheet, like just yeah. laid out. I cannot read it, even with a microscope. And I then, don't know what any of that says. Thank you, government. Um, I feel like if I had enough time, yeah. I could probably figure most of these like out. Like, it tells me the religious breakdown for every yeah. single federal prison, but it's really hard to read. Okay, so yeah, it's But you can ignore that page. It's not important. This page? That, yep, the oh. one with 100 million oh, things on it. Oh, this one is important. The but sun- the third page they sent me was just the overall numbers. And okay. so I'll, uh, let's talk about a couple things here. You see on that paper that you're looking at, and I'll post a link in the show notes here. Mm-hmm. On the left side, it lists the various religious categories they have okay. and how many prisoners follow that number. What's the number at the very bottom for the total number of federal prisoners altogether? Um, total number of federal prisoners It's like is, 139. Yeah, 139.02. Excuse me, 139,002. Right. So that's how many federal prisoners there are. How many atheists are there? Um, 143. Yep, 143. And if you do the math there, that is 0.1%. Wow. 0.1%. We're 4% of the population, and we are 0.1% of the federal prison system. So do you think unknown... Hold that thought oh, for okay, a second. Okay, yeah. We'll get to I won't all get of that. You. So that's one thing. So and by the way, it. I want to point out here, um, we are going to talk in just a second about all the reasons you should totally ignore... All of this stuff because okay. there's so many caveats with all of this. But yeah, 0.1% of the population. There's more are Mormons in prison than atheists. Yeah, right? Like, there's a lot. <laughs> Color me surprised. There's more of like every group than I, atheists. I've known a lot of Mormons and I'm worse than all of them. <laughs> I should also say, like, the last time I did this was like 20, I did it in 2013 and 2015. The number has not changed at all. It's roughly the same percentage. So that's part one. Here's the other thing that was interesting to me. And here's a little story for you. A couple of years ago, actually like 2015, there was a humanist. There was a guy in prison uh, who is an atheist who basically said, hey, isn't it weird that if I wanted to have a Bible study, uh, put it down for a second, hold that thought for a second. (laughs) If I wanted to have a Bible study, like the the federal prison I'm in uh-huh. allows me to like reserve meeting space like I'm a, on a college club or something. They let me have meeting space for a Bible study. Uh-huh. The Christians are allowed to do that. 
as an atheist, he is not allowed to do that. Did we interview this gentleman? Um, we may. We I don't remember if it was this one or someone else. It was a terrible but, interview. Yeah. <laughs> but um, here's another thing. What if a handful of people want to get together to discuss their faith? If you're Christian, you're allowed to do that. Ten of you can get together to discuss something. Mm -hmm. But as atheists, you cannot get together to discuss, say, like a Carl Sagan book. Mm -hmm. So in 2015... Or just a romance novel or whatever, you know? Or whatever. The American Humanist Association eventually filed a lawsuit Mm -hmm. saying that's religious discrimination. You can't not allow this guy to have the same perks as you're giving to religious groups. Because the argument from the prison is like, we can't have too many prisoners in one spot. That's a safety concern. Mm -hmm. Unless you're meeting to discuss the Bible, in which case it's fine. It's like smokers breaks all over again. Because I don't smoke, (laughs) I don't get a break. Fuck you. Right, right. And so basically, the long story of that is, a few years ago, the Federal Bureau of Prisons basically said, okay, we will reach a settlement with you. Um, We are going to say that humanism counts as a religion for our purposes. Hold that thought. You're glaring at me. (laughs) Humanism counts as a religion. Mm -hmm. And if this prisoner wants to declare himself a humanist, Uh which we're now allowing him to do, even though we didn't before, Uh he now has access to the same perks as all the religious inmates as well. Okay. And both sides said, fine, we'll take that deal. We'll end the lawsuit. But here's the thing about that. That meant for the first time with this FOIA request, it actually lists the number of federal prisoners who decide to call themselves humanists. Oh. And that's a really interesting one because atheist is one thing. Yeah. But saying, no, I actually have a pre-written like moral code. Do you think that's what humanism is? Yeah, it's atheism, but it's like, I'm not, I'm not just saying I don't believe in God. Here's what I do believe mm. in. And so we actually have a number of humanists. So how many humanists are on this list? Oh, can I look again? You can look now. You shouldn't give a person with ADD I'm something sorry. to read. Um, what was I looking up? I forgot humanists. immediately. Humanists. How many humanists are in federal prison? 63. 63. Like, that's it. Which represents 0.045% of prisoners. That is, I think, half mm. of half of half of half of 1%. There is also something else interesting yeah. that I am... Uh, uh, wanted to point out mm-hmm. that they also break it down by male and female yep. um, prison populace. How many uh, humanists are men? Of the 63 humanists, how many of them are men? <laughs> Obviously 63. You had to know that. <laughs> I did know that. Um, yes. Atheists, uh, out of the 143, five are female. Mm-hmm. Wow. We uh, really uh, we so really it, show up, huh? Yeah. Um, okay, so here's a couple. Let's talk about the caveats here. And here's the thing I'm worried about. As much as I want to have this information because I find it interesting, uh-huh. it's also worth pointing out that the reason I've seen some people try to use this information is to say, look, we're underrepresented in the prison system, and that suggests atheists are more moral than religious people or yeah. some version which of isn't that. anything which isn't yeah you're right and so let's talk about a couple things here okay. we don't know why these people are in prison Correct. i think there is at least in i'll speak for myself here the gut reaction is everyone in federal prison is in there for like murder that's just not the case absolutely, absolutely not the not. case like as much as i could say like they're there for white collar crimes quick no. sidebar have you watched the documentary attica no. Oh, oh I think I know what you're talking God. about, but it's I have not seen the documentary. Oh, so good. It's about a prison uprising in Attica, mm-hmm. New York, very famously. Um, and it's It incredible. just had the 50th anniversary. 
It did, and it's uh, this doc was nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah. Um, Mikey and I watched it the other night. It's so good. And people so good. are put in there for drug charges, oh, yeah. possession. <laughs> like, it's stupid shit that when, is not worth, like, saying yeah. they're less moral than you. There was one kid in there who was in there for, like, 90 days because he wrote a bad check. And he was, in yeah. a, like, the worst federal prison in New York State. Like, right. this is what... It, so, I hate, so oh. you can't make a moral argument because you don't know why all these people are in there. And That's it implies one thing. that the law is moral, which it... It implies the justice system works, which it doesn't. Does it not. implies that... It doesn't take into account that if you're if you come from a high poverty rate, a place mm-hmm. with a high poverty rate and low formal education, mm-hmm. there's a really good chance you're going to end up in prison. Higher chance you're mm-hmm. going to end up in prison. And by the way, a lower chance that you're going to be an atheist because mm-hmm. atheism tends to attract the sort of people who come from high income high education, Mm -hmm. that sort of community too. So like we're working from a different starting point in a lot of cases to begin with. So that's one thing to keep in mind. You don't know why everyone's in prison. Don't make a moral argument with this. Another thing, all of those identifications are self-reported and self-reporting your religious beliefs is a weird game as anyone who does surveys can tell you because everyone has different reasons for using religious labels that they do. So if you look on that list, atheist is there, humanist is there, but like if you don't believe in God, there are other categories you might put yourself in. Uh, There is a category for no preference. Moorish. Uh, that's a religion. It's a is smaller it? one. I don't know enough I about it. I only know it but from like there's other. Morris. Other is a category. You might just list yourself as no other. preference. No preference. There's thirty seven thousand people. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, uh, unknown. Actually, no preference is I think the single biggest number on that list. Oh uh, yeah. Unknown is another one. So yeah. the people non trin n o n dash non trinitarian. It's a type of Christian. Oh. I don't know enough about it. But like there are I other like places. I don't know as much about religion as I would hope. It's all good. Um, there's paganism. A lot of things. Here's what I'm shocked about. Yes. Pagans. There's thirty six hundred of them. Yeah. Guess how many are men? Guess how many are women? Oh, or, I did percentage. not look at this. Uh, thirty five hundred to one hundred. That's almost exactly 3,520 yeah. 3, to 148. Boom. Which I guess I would, what I kind of wish I would, I could see instead of the total men and total women, I would rather be able to see like the population or the um, percentage rather of like 3% of women are atheists, 3% of men oh, are atheists. Yeah. Just the numbers are off because um, it's, it's apples and oranges. But also like, I wonder how many atheists uh, who don't believe in God, even if they don't use that term, might have just told uh, whenever they filled out the survey. Uh, I don't know if that's one of those things you type in when you are booked into mm. the system. I don't know if it reflects sure. people who, let's say you've been there for 30 years. Does the demographic, does the religious label, is it the one you gave when you first entered prison? Or is this a new thing? I don't know when, when don't it was taken. gather data transparently, it's hard to draw any <laughs> large conclusions? Thank you. Huh, yeah. weird. Um, so we don't know when this stuff was taken. We don't know if like atheists said, no, I'm Christian. Or I'm Catholic or I'm Protestant. Because Be- people say that to get people off their back. That too, yeah. Especially if they're like, I was raised Catholic, I'm not anymore, I'm Catholic. I don't feel like fucking talking to you about your religion, <laughs> dude. I'm Catholic right? too, great. Keep in mind, this is a federal prison system. There are benefits to saying you are religious. Not just the, you get to meet for Bible study yeah, and you get Judaism. to... Uh, it's there somewhere. Um, there are benefits to saying you're religious because you get perks. Yeah. There are some times when you can go on like, quote unquote, field trips to a ministry or to a church or to a church-run program because you are listed as Christian Uh that you might not get other way around. And that's a legal issue that we could talk about later, but that exists. So that's part one of why you might want to say you're religious. And also, 
it make maybe you would think if I tell you I believe in God or I'm a man of God, maybe mm-hmm. it gets me a reduced sentence down the line. Oh yeah. Maybe you think I'm a changed man down the line. Oh, parole maybe boards parole. love yes. finding religion. So it's a risky bet to even say as an atheist that you're an atheist behind bars. Dateline's yeah. not going to do a special, unlike a pastor who murders someone, then gives up his faith in in prison <laughs> and then says, "I just realized I had to do good because this is the only life we have." That's not going to happen. No, it's stupid. Um, Keep in mind, another thing, this is the federal prison system. It does not take into account state prisons, county, local jails, mm-hmm. um, and those are more populated than the U.S. federal prison system. Oh, I see. Uh, so again, all of that stuff, those are all caveats to keep in mind. Do not say this number proves atheists are more moral than other people. I would say, however, it is useful because I think a lot of religious apologists, pastors, might imply, in lack of better words, they might say that you need God to be good. Uh And if prison is one of the ways they want to define goodness, which, like we just said, I don't know that that's a fair thing to say. No, most of us wouldn't. um, Then here you go. Atheists are underrepresented in prison compared to the general population. Like, not even by a little bit. It's by a ton. And what I think is interesting about that is I feel like 10 years ago, I would see data like that and just do the whole confirmation bias thing. Like, see? Atheists are generally good people. You can't right. tell you had to be And like now, now that I'm older and a little bit wiser, like I understand that it's not that simple. And yeah. there's, like you said, mitigating circumstances of what so people are going many. to say. So many. Um, if you are looking for a way, if you're ever looking for like the atheists are more moral argument, mm-hmm. I would not use this necessarily. Mm-hmm. Maybe as one data point of many, if you want, but not yeah. even. But uh, Phil Zuckerman, the sociologist, wrote a book a couple of years ago called What It Means to Be Moral, the subtitle, Why Religion is Not Necessary for Living an Ethical Life. Okay. And I want to read you just one brief excerpt from there where he talks about like the different metrics for morality you could use. In terms of who supports helping refugees, affordable health care for all, accurate sex education, death with dignity, gay rights, transgender rights, animal rights... And as to uh, who opposes militarism, the government use of torture, the death penalty, corporal punishment, and so on, the correlation remains. The most secular Americans exhibit the most care for the suffering of others, while the most religious exhibit the highest levels of indifference. Hmm. Basically saying there are so many ways you could judge morality. Any one of them, maybe you could nitpick like we are doing here. Mm -hmm. But if you want to take it as a whole, Mm -hmm. we do pretty damn well. Now, there are reasons for that. Atheism as a philosophy tends to attract a different type of person because you're not, you don't need the church community to help you out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people do. You are coming from a place where you have the free time to read books or go on the internet Uh or listen to stupid ass podcasts. Yep. Whatever it is. Great podcast. Thank you. You have that ability to do that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, working 23 hours a day and trying to take care of your kids and all that, you don't necessarily, and you don't have any money, it's actually harder to even find the tools you might need to explore your theological views and all that stuff. 100%. So just keep that in mind. It's a long way of saying, hey, here's some cool information I found. Here's why you should ignore it. Stop paying attention to it. Stop being so fucking happy. Yeah. Um, This is cool, though. Here's one last story for you. Uh, I'm actually going to skip over a couple others because this one I just found fascinating. 
I've been waiting to listen to the new podcast, The Trojan Horse Affair, because I was waiting for like a long road trip. It's an eight-part series, came out from the New York Times. It's by the same people who made Serial and oh. S-Town and uh, the Nice White People, I think, oh, like a couple of years ago. No, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's sorry, Nice White I, People. Sorry if I got the title wrong, oh, but like it's quality people whose podcasts have been amazing. So this podcast comes out about a month ago. Eight parts dropped in one day, and I'm like, okay, when I go on a road trip, this is the great thing uh-huh. to, like, binge listen to. Um, nice white parents. Nice white parents. There you go. Um, and then I had a reason last week where I'm like, oh, shit, I should listen to this now. So I've been, I started listening, and oh, my God, it's so good. Yeah. Um, I am going to give you spoilers right now, so for anyone listening, just keep that in mind. Skip to the next story, whatever. I can't whatever. do that, though. You don't get to do that. I won't give away too much. I'll tell you the gist of it. Okay. The gist of it is, like, in 2014... Um, There is a, this is all stuff you learn in the first few minutes of the first episode. Okay. That uh, basically in uh, London, in, sorry, in England, in the UK, there are religious schools, but they get to function as public schools, even though they have like a religious bent. You Mm -hmm. wouldn't see that in the US. You do see that there. And in some parts, in some parts of like outside London, there were some schools with, that catered to predominantly Muslim community. Mm -hmm. And so they ran their schools as like a Muslim school. Okay. And that doesn't mean you indoctrinate them into Islam, but it means they incorporated prayer time in there. They spoke uh, about the Quran in a way that like you probably wouldn't see in a secular school. And there are issues with that, which we could talk about too. But what happened is one of the worst schools by the government's metrics, because these are technically public schools, Uh one of the worst schools uh, was one of those schools. A Muslim one. A Muslim one. And basically a guy came in, changed it, made it one of the best schools, like a model school that the government said, holy crap, y'all need to do what he's doing because it's really working and the test scores are better, kids are doing better, it's all well and good. Uh-huh. Next thing you know, a letter hits like the city council. It's it's a long letter that basically says, this is part of a plot <sighs> to Islamicize the public schools. And this guy right over here... He's doing it. Wait, Islamicize? Like, yeah. I thought it was already an Islamic school. Um, Technically, it's a public school, but they made it a welcoming environment for Muslims. Oh, okay. But they were saying, no, 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 that's not what this is. This oh. guy is trying to, like, radicalize sure. these students into, like, Islamic extremism. Uh-huh. And they spoke to this guy uh-huh. in the podcast, and he's like, that's not what I was doing, and here's what I was doing. Uh-huh. And they point out, like, there are some legit criticisms of the methods you used here, and some of the stuff he has answers for, some of the stuff he does not have good answers for. Mm-hmm. But his basic argument is, I was trying to help these students meet them where they're at, and you know what? It worked. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I started doing well, people started coming after us. Oh, you mean as soon as and something gets popular thing- and good, everybody hates it? That's so <laughs> yes. strange. And the thing about this letter that suggests he's radicalizing schools and this is part of a bigger plot like a terrorist type of plot um let's say it's a six-page letter the first page is missing so you don't really know who it's addressed to and the last page is missing so you don't know who wrote the letter and so basically you have the middle part of a letter making all these wild accusations against this guy against this dude and other schools that are supposedly doing this and he's not a solo he's like on behalf of a something something or is he he on his own. He's kind of on his own, but okay. he's tight with the Muslim community. Okay. And basically the city council and the government basically say, holy crap, there's some shadiness going on here. And they start taking action to undo this Islamization of the schools. 
And this guy is basically like, you ruined this thing I was doing. You ruined the school. Uh-huh. You shut down the school that I was running. But also it affected the Muslim community at large because people Whoa. thought Islamic extremism is basically creeping into our area and we got to do something about it. Jesus. And one of the guys reporting this story was a dude affected by this personally because he's Muslim. And that's how the story came to their attention at the New York Times. I'm saying that this is all stuff you learn early on. But the big question is, well, who wrote this letter uh-huh. that got the ball rolling? It was you, wasn't it? it yeah, clearly. Um, and the guy writing is like, I don't know for a fact who wrote this letter. I we have a hunch. We still don't well, know. I'm okay. not going to answer that question. The, oh. whole pod, the whole podcast is, can we figure out who wrote this letter? I see. Why is everyone taking it seriously if you don't even know who wrote it? How come no one seems to care who wrote this letter? And then they investigate the claims made in the letter, too. Because uh-huh. there is some truth, but there's also a lot of things they could easily debunk. Right. And one of the here's the reason I bring it up on this particular podcast. You listen to four episodes. It's a pretty strong case to make uh, to answer some of the questions I just raised. But then in episode like five of the eight, one of the things that comes up is that some of the people who are working at the schools named in that Trojan horse letter uh-huh. that no one could figure out, like the Muslims are using like Trojan sure. horse style infesting this thing. One of the people who said there is radical Islam creeping into the schools and we got to do something about it. And we know this because we work at these schools um, because people who are not Muslim would work at these schools sure, too. Yeah. Um, they were like, who do we tell about this? And they said, well, we'll tell the British Humanist Association, uh-huh. now known as Humanists UK, which is like their version of the American Humanist Association. Uh-huh. And they said, this stuff is going on. And the British Humanist Association at the time basically took a lot of their claims, according to the podcast, they took a lot of these claims and brought it to the attention of government officials saying, this shit's going on, you ought to investigate And the question, like, it doesn't have to do directly with that Trojan horse letter, but when you add the Trojan horse letter uh, implications Mm -hmm. with these things these people said were going on where their concern is like they're segregating boys and girls when they shouldn't be. They're teaching them things that follow an Islamic, conservative Islamic interpretation, but also you shouldn't be doing this in a public school. And they're raising all these concerns that we would call like church-state separation concerns, Mm -hmm. and they bring it to the government. The government's saying, see, it confirms what we already were thinking with the Islamicization of the schools, and these things go on top of each other. So the hosts of the show speak to the people who went to the British Human Association. They speak to one of the leaders of Humanist UK saying like, did you verify that this stuff was happening in the schools as these people told you it was? Uh Because not all of it was happening. Oh. And like, didn't you fact check these these things before you made the problem worse? And, and basically their response on the podcast is, well, we, we looked into it as much as we could, but really we just passed it on. We were like the messengers is what I took away from it. Okay. Is like one of the leaders is like, yeah, we passed it along to them. And like, it's not our responsibility to do the fact checking on this. And they, the hosts of the show, including the Muslim host is like, you and at one point, the guy from Humanist UK says, like, what's the harm here? What, what really came of all this? I'm paraphrasing. Mm-mm. And the host basically blows Oh, excuse me. Up. Humanists cannot say what's the harm. <laughs> That's our line that we use on everybody else. Yeah. I want to I find the exact thing that he said. Like, the, uh, um, what's the actual thing that he said? What came? Oh, what impact did it have? our letter that we sent off to the government saying, here's what's all happening. Like, 
what impact did it have? And the Muslim host is like, what what gestures broadly, gestures broadly at everything. And he's like, it hurt the Muslim community in our area, more or less. Humanist UK, the reason I bring all this up is like about a week ago, Humanist UK sent out an email. Uh, The headline is Humanist UK comment on misleading Trojan horse affair podcast. Their argument is you're making us out to be Islamophobic. They're like, we're not Islamophobic. We have genuine church-state separation concerns, but the way the podcast edited the interview that we did and the way they presented the information made it sound like we were indifferent to the treatment of Muslims in the community (laughs) or that we were oblivious to how this affected everyone. And like, certainly we are not Islamophobic. Um, And Uh. it's a weird thing to read because, listen, they go into this... It's one of those emails that's so long that at the bottom of Gmail, it says the message is clipped, view the entire message, because, like, it's long. They do have recordings of their side of the interviews, like the raw footage. Oh. It doesn't change anything, but it does show you, like, okay, here's what's going on. But, like, honestly, I was listening to the episode, and I came away from the original reporting saying, yeah, it doesn't make them look great. But also it doesn't make them look like they were out to get Muslims. Yeah, it sounds like they did kind of shoddy research. It did sound like they did shoddy research and like does they don't want to take responsibility for their role in it. And again, you're talking about the same people who like think Richard Dawkins is not Islamophobic either. Or the sort of people who say Richard Dawkins is not transphobic. Well, I would argue that he I don't think he sets out to do any of those things, but his statements are really irresponsible. And so this is kind of the thing. I don't really have an opinion on this because, one, I'm not reading this giant letter they wrote in response. It's really long. (laughs) And also, I didn't come away from it thinking anything bad of them in the first place. But I would say, if any of you are going to listen to the podcast, um, I mean, listen to it because it's a good story and it's by reporters who are really good at putting together podcast series like Mm -hmm. this. Um, keep in mind that this plays a role into how people perceive the humanists in the UK specifically, mm-hmm. but also humanists at large, because you have a group that purports to care about church date separation. I've reported on a lot of the stuff they've yeah. done. They do really friggin' good work. Um, but also when you hear a Muslim who is relatively progressive, you can tell from this stuff, but also he lives in this community and mm-hmm. he knows how this stuff affects Muslims at large, uh-huh. saying the thing you think is like church state separation. It's not just that. And the things you were talking about, they're saying we didn't do, we weren't trying to do. Uh-huh. And for you to ignore that, you fed in to a broader thing. And this is one of the arguments I feel like I've seen from like ex-Muslim groups uh-huh. or who get a lot of uh, platforming from atheist groups where they're like, let's get rid of the hijab. We got to talk about uh, what it's like to leave religion when you're Muslim. Right. And I'm sympathetic to all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's like that stuff doesn't carry a lot of weight when it comes to a lot of Muslim practicing Muslims who don't really care what they have to say about that stuff. Yeah. I mean, and how you, you talk about that for Christianity as well. Less so, I think, because oh, okay. I think there's a lot. It's a lot easier because there's a lot more people who are leaving Christianity and understand that stuff. Oh, sure. But for Islam, which a lot of people don't know much about uh-huh. and for atheists, the, again, I'm sympathetic to the argument like hijabs. Should we have to wear them? Should we have policies about that stuff? Yeah. No. You know, like, <laughs> that, no, don't no, ask me. Have I don't, have, any, I don't have a stake in the matter. But I do understand when ex-Muslims say you don't really have a choice in the matter in right. some communities. Right. 
And at the same time, there are plenty of progressive Muslims who are like, I'm wearing it by choice. Right. But again, this is kind of the issue that the Humanist UK took away from this, which is you're painting us out to be Islamophobic. We are here to argue that that's not what we are doing. Mm -hmm. And yet in the process of doing that, and this is what you hear in the podcast, they came away at least to the host whose story is being presented and it's one-sided by nature. That's the nature of the podcast. Sure. As much reporting as they try to do. But it comes away feeling like these people, either they did not care about the implications of what they were saying or doing, uh-huh. or they didn't think it made a difference in the long run, which it did. Right. And if you're not taking that viewpoint into account mm-hmm. when you are saying and doing these things, mm-hmm. you end up pissing off a lot of allies in the process. Yeah. And that's a thing to keep in mind. I just want to repeat I don't necess- I didn't come away from this thinking badly of Humanist UK mm-hmm. as much as they seem to think people did mm-hmm. because they that's why they wrote such a forceful letter in response and long <laughs> and very long and very detailed because they felt they had to be but that's, and that's not the take I had from it but also this is a perception that a lot of people are going to take away I think listening to the podcast that these people were indifferent didn't care and yeah. I'm very curious to hear from people who have listened to the podcast mm-hmm. and heard it the whole way through mm-hmm. because the Humanist UK thing really was the bulk of one episode out of eight and it did not come back later on. Uh-huh. Um, I'm very curious what people thought about their portrayal in this thing. All cool. right, that's my soapbox on that one. Awesome. I got nothing else here. That's all you have? I, um, I have a couple others that are not important. Okay, uh, before we go, I want to read um, my subject list for our bonus episode. Ooh, yes. Um, I'm going to keep doing this until somebody tells me they're annoyed by it. Uh, basically, <laughs> I write, I don't know, five or six or seven topics for our bonus episode, and Hemming gets to pick them, and I'm just going to let you know what I have on the docket. Uh, the Faux Spring of Chicago. The show The Gilded Age. My story about my feetsies getting hurt. Um, the New York Times Games app. Which Again? I- I don't think we talked about it last time. I think you 100% talked about it last time. Fine. I just really like it and enjoy talking (laughs) to you about it. Love is Blind season two. I finished it. I want to talk about it. And a fun story about Tucker Carlson that I forgot to tell you. Okay. Those are my topics. You can always find me on Twitter at Jess Bloomke. Um, you can email us at friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. We do read all of your emails. Uh, Hemet usually responds to them. I don't. (laughs) And I'm at Hemant Meta on Twitter. Go to OnlySky.media. Go to YouTube, the Friendly Atheist channel on YouTube. You Mm -hmm. can uh, listen to this in the background while you're doing whatever it is you do. Patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. We've got a gajillion bonus episodes from me and Hemant, me and my husband Mikey, me and various other people just bullshitting about life and art and books and movies and shit we've watched. Um, so, yeah, dig in. What, five, bu- five bucks a month? Yep. Oh, hours of entertainment for five bucks a month. Yes. So steal it thrice the price. Yes. Is that it? Yes. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>